This is Vermont Credit Unions on Air, a service of the Association of Vermont Credit Unions. I'm Joe Bergeron, president of the association, and with me is Steve Roy, CEO of Tricorp Federal Credit Union. Steve has been with Tricorp for how many years now, Steve? 36. For, for 36 years. That's a long time. And is a well-known and popular credit union industry leader nationwide, but especially here in northern New England. Thanks for joining us today, Steve. Thank you. My <laughs> pleasure to be here. Uh, it's, it's great to have you here. You know, we really appreciate the opportunity to be able to talk to you a little bit and talk a little bit about Tricorp. You know, in, in my mind, and I'm fortunate to be on the board of Tricorp, so I see you and get to talk to you probably more than some average credit union people uh, in Vermont. But it, it occurs to me that um, Tricorp really is a behind-the-scenes kind of organization, right? Uh, so when we're talking to credit unions in Vermont, Maine, New Hampshire, and elsewhere in the country, uh, you know, they're all interfacing publicly and whatnot. But Tricorp is really like a service provider behind the scenes. So, you know, w- w- so I was hoping that we could touch on some things that – uh, people might not know so much and get some impressions from you that people uh, might not hear so much because you have a different perspective given the role that Tricorp plays for its member credit unions. It's been about a decade since the start of the financial crisis, and uh, since that time, you know, things have, have changed. Tricorp weathered the storm. A lot, of credit, a lot of corporate credit unions did not come out of that well and fare well. We're still, as a corporate credit union system, still kind of recuperating from that a little bit. NCRA is going to be issuing a $736 million share insurance distribution to eligible credit unions. And so all of that just makes me wonder what your thoughts are on having um, lived through the recuperation of all of this in the past 10 years and, and the effect on corporate credit unions and, and members of Tricorp Credit Union in general. Well, I think the first thing that comes to my mind is, you know, not to think about, you know, what we could have done differently, why it happened, who's to blame. You know, there's a lot of things you can look back now when you have 10 years to look back and say, well, we knew that this could have been done better. We, You can think about how much was charged off and whether that was too much money. But I think the thing that, uh, the thought that comes to my mind is this was a really good example of the power of collaboration and cooperation of credit unions. You know, you're right. There was, when I started, there was about 42 corporate credit unions. In 2008, there was 26. And today we're down to 11. And that's for different reasons. You know, some decided they just didn't want to continue. But I remember when I was going out talking to all the credit unions about the options we had going forward. And there was overwhelming support for us to continue, for the credit unions to offer the capitalization they needed to do to take the risk again, if you will, and I thought that was an incredible display of collaboration and cooperation. You know, when you talk about things that maybe planes don't know about Tricor, uh, it's hard to come up with specific examples, but I think that a lot of credits say to me, I'm glad that you're doing what you're doing, you, that you're, you're taking care of our payments, you're taking care of our currency orders, you're moving money for us, you're settling all my members' payments. I don't have to worry about that. I've got other things to worry about. Compliance, regulation, knowing that that's being handled in the back office is very, very important to us. At the same time, when a member comes into the credit union and they want to do a wire transfer or something, they believe that it is being done right there, even though there's a back office component to it. So it'll, credit unions can be the front-facing person for their, for their members, but at the same time, they have a back office support that helps them be more efficient. And so I think that it was 
really good to see that Credings recognize that we do better when we, when we all collaborate where we can. And I think that's the thing that's impressed me the most. Like we said in the intro, it's been a decade pretty much um, since that big change um, for corporate credit unions. And, you know, we used to have a U.S. Central Credit Union gone. You said we had 42 corporate credit unions. Now we're down to 11 corporate credit unions. How has operating a credit union uh, been different over the past decade than it was before? Well, you're specifically asking about a corporate, I assume. Yeah, right. When you had U.S. Central, it wasn't so much that it was a lifeline or life support, but you did have another step up of resources. You had a place for us. We had a place to go. We had a place to work with. We had a place to aggregate for us, not just for us as corporates, but for credit unions. And so what has been a challenge, but we've been able to, I think, manage it very well, has been to go out and work with all these different vendors on our own. They used to aggregate that for us. And so if you had questions about a product or service, even on behalf of a credit union, we had one place to go. Now we've got to go and manage all those different things with individual partners and vendors. And that's worked well for the most part, but it, it wasn't the same as having a credit union-focused organization. You know, I'm not passing judgment. I'm just saying that's one thing that has been different. I think one thing that we're seeing today that is a little bit different is we don't really have a an aggregator of liquidity. So that is one thing that is also a new challenge. But we are we are all working through it. But that was a very, very important resource that might be good to still have in some form. But. So it sounds a little bit like the 11 corporates that exist today – Tricor being one of them, are e- even though they probably do some things together and cooperate and whatnot, they're they're um, it feels like they're more independent of each other than corporates were prior. Well, you know that's an interesting comment because I think I'm seeing now it come back full circle. We do have a, an organization that's not a you know legal trade association, but we sure. call it the Corporate Grant Alliance. And we are working together. We have, you know, committees of corporates that put people into these different committees that have expertise. So we actually are kind of coming back full circle because we've kind of recognized that 11 of us don't have any real market power, if you will. Mm -hmm. But if we work together, you know, we we can bring that. And I think competition between corporates has kind of faded, really. Really? Nobody's really marketing in anybody's area anymore. I mean, I see some corporates in national trade press, but the days when they were calling on your credit unions and doing things like that has kind of gone away. And we we are working together on regulations. We're working together on looking at the future of payments. You know, we're trying to work together on other issues like the central liquidity facility. So there's more collaboration now. We had a planning session last year that was facilitated for us by Mark Meyer from Filene. So I thought that gave us a lot of insight that we didn't really have before. With only 11 corporates in the country uh, compared to 42 before, would it be correct to assume that each one of them has a much broader field of membership than they used to? 
but it sounds like even though a corporate may have a national field of membership or, or much less a large regional field of membership, they're all pretty much sticking to their being active in their immediate area. Yes, that's true. I think every corporate has a national field of membership. We've had them for a long time. Mm-hmm. Now, there are some corporates that are more regional just because of there being fewer. So, for example, you have uh, the, the uh, credit unions that were members of Westcore that have gone to a corporate primarily one I think catalyst but there's been other so there's you know there are some corporates that have geographic areas we have primarily Maine New Hampshire Vermont but that we always did but so there is some we some in situations where you have corporates serving geographic areas just out of necessity because the other corporates are not there but you know you don't you don't really see anybody going from the west coast advertising right. in the east coast and sure. that type of thing so. what about services services have changed a, l- a little bit haven't they well some of the you know i think that um we've had to find replacements for all the services that we got from your central so mm-hmm. we didn't really lose any services but i think another component that i'd like to see somehow revived is what i'll just simply call research and development you know there's not there's no focal point for that. So that's something I think in our system that is lacking. And I don't know where that comes from, Joe. I don't know if it's Filene or if it's CUNA or, you know, for example, you think today about the issue of fintechs. Is there anybody in our credit union system that's owning that? You know, what do we, where, where is credit going to fit in that? I mean, where do we think about how, what, three-fourths of our credit unions or two-thirds are, what, right. you know, small in size relative to the, banking world can they compete in the fintech world i think that's one of our challenges so you know, corporates everybody thinks of or have thought of in the past as liquidity providers and place for settlement and so on and so forth but you're you sound like you're kind of uh, questioning in the future you know are there going to be other roles for corporate credit unions yes i mean i think liquidity is still obviously a functioning a primary function but there have been regulatory limitations so Really, our ability to fund liquidity, you know, look, even if you look at borrowing, for example, for credit to borrow from us, it's really short term. Sure. Longer term, they've got to look for other sources because we just don't have the, the capacity. But I think that, you know, you're right. There's, it's going to be the whole world of payments that's going to be the, hmm. the challenge. Right, oh. right future anybody can say whatever they want and they're not wrong right (laughs) until the future gets here but uh, you know going the next decade down the road what do you think corporates and and credit unions in general look like uh, you know five and ten years down down the road I always hesitate when I get that question because things seem to change so fast sure you know you think that today you think you know where things are going and you know there's always the question of how many corporates how many credit unions how many of whatever I think for us, I look at it and say, if we have a balance sheet that supports however many credits we have, and it works for them, and it's 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 efficient, it's profitable, then that's fine. I don't know that we have to try to determine how many of everything, but I agree. Right. But I do think the the issue there's a lot of work going on out there to try to create a world of instant payments, and you know there's a hope that. One day, now there are some people out there that want to see payments settle in 15 seconds. But there's so much that has to happen for that. And can it happen? I mean, they're comparing what's happening to you, what's happening in Europe. But what's happening in Europe is a lot different. You have a lot smaller 
a number of institutions. They, they share a lot more. The government funded a faster payment system. But there's a lot of push to, to do that because there's a fear from some people in the industry that if we aren't doing that, then we're going to lose that payment business. So, so we've, had, we've had discussions with the Fed, right? And, and for us here in Vermont, we've had discussions with the Boston Fed specifically, who seems to be pretty deep into the whole payment, yes. future of payments research kind of think tank stuff. Sometime in the future, in a world of faster processing of payments, what kind of effect does that have on a corporate credit union, you think, if uh, payments, you know, virtually instant or pretty close to it? Well, one of the challenges is going to be, are these going to be real-time payments or what we would call deferred net settlement? Uh, so today, you know, you have deferred net settlement. So you can sure. do a, a debit card or an ATM transaction all weekend, and then that hits, that settles on Monday. And this, what some are envisioning, is a real-time payment system. So then are we going to have 24-7 funding? Is the Federal Reserve Bank going to be, you know, allowing transactions to hit our Fed accounts? All weekend, 24-7, uh, you know, a lot of, I know I've heard from some of the banks that talk about the way they manage their cash. I've heard a comment, well, if I'm not able to borrow from my home loan bank, how, am I, how can I know I have enough money to fund over the weekend? Hmm. So I think there could be a fundamental change to how payments are settled. And then mm -hmm. on the credit union side, how does that all get posted? Where Are they going to, our core systems going to, be able to handle that. I mean, today it's more of a batch, right? You get a deferred net settlement. But then there's also, there's a lot to go into this. I mean, the Fed has to decide that they want to be a 24-7 operation, and I'm not sure they have an appetite for that today. Right. It's a board of governors decision. So there's, it could affect all of us in terms of how we're going to be managing our cash and how things are going to post to accounts. And then you get, this gets into the weeds, but you get into issues of NSF transactions, OFAC, Fraud. Yeah, there's a lot more to it than just yeah. saying, so we're going to move a payment along the channels yes. much faster. There's all these sidebar yeah. things. Right? I mean, people think of a Zelle or a Venmo, but keep people need to remember those are still going off card rails. They're still, right. they're still being processed through a credit card or, or a debit card. Sure. So it, it's, it's instant in terms of the consumer, but it's still settling in the, in the same general fashion. So, But I, I, you know, when I look out five, ten years, I just... You know, I see that that could be a you know something we're going to have to deal with. For sure, yeah. yeah. It's, it seems like w with all everything that we see in development and research, yeah. with payment processing changes, and um, you know, I don't know if there'll still be paper checks. Yeah. It seems like we heard that there would be no more paper checks ten years ago, twenty years ago, thirty years ago. Well, and, um, and to go along with that, you know, you hear that you know no, nobody has any cash on them, but. Tricor is, you know, Tricor is not the biggest corporate. We're the second smallest, but we see, we see consistently currency orders through us, of 22 to 25 million a week. Wow! And that isn't mm. all the credit unions because some are doing their own thing. Sure. And that hasn't been dropping, so somebody's still using a lot of cash. Right. Right. Check volume is kind of leveled off, but it's still not. It's declining, but the decline has seemed to have slowed. So it. Mm -hmm. There's still um, the traditional payment methods are still out there. Interesting stuff. Anything else about uh, Tricorp and what's changed uh, over the past decade in terms of, you know, before and after the what everybody calls the Great Recession and everything that you think is noteworthy? You know, I think what's more noteworthy to me is that how much we didn't have to change versus how much yeah. change there was. I mean, we were Good able point. to continue to operate in pretty much the same manner. 
There's a couple of things that maybe are different. For example, we don't have a term deposit portfolio on our balance sheet, but we have a very good option that we provide that is well used. So I, I think what's interesting for us is that we've been able to actually kind of continue to move along as we were, even having to find new partners and and and, and everything else that happened with you know the, all the charge-offs and whatnot. So I maybe Joe, I would say that what's more amazing to me is what we have been able to do versus what had to change. Well, for sure, Tricorp is a success story, and just by virtue of the fact that it still exists, 11 out of 42 corporates still remaining, and that Tricorp is one of those is uh, commendable, certainly under your leadership during all that period of time for for the past three-plus decades. Um, So kudos to you and to people who have been on the board and your staff for the great work that you've done for... uh, all the members of Tricorp over all of these years. It really well, has been a very bunch of team effort too. So thanks Steve for spending a few minutes with us and talk about Tricorp and how things have changed, how things have da- stayed the same. It's, uh, I hope people, listeners found it um, en- enlightening. Uh, with that, we've reached the end of another Vermont Credings On Air podcast and hope you found it informative. You can hear all of our previously recorded podcasts by searching for Vermont Credit Unions on air in the iTunes store or at soundcloud.com. If you have ideas for a podcast on something you'd like to hear, send it to podcasts, podcast, one podcast, at vermontcreditunions.coop. Until our next podcast, this is Joe Bergeron and... Steve Roy at the Association of Vermont Credit Unions thanking you for listening.